Welcome back, everybody, to episode 59 of the ClapperCast. It is September 1st, 2020. I'm Burke, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sean. How's it going today, Sean? Oh, doing pretty well. You know, I uh, actually remember to set my microphone to be the recording thing this week, so I don't sound like I'm a radio show calling. <laughs> yeah, and I've been uh, fighting my microphone all evening here to try and get it to work. So between the two of us, we're, we're audio engineers. Oh, absolutely. Top, top tier right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, why don't you take us away on uh, our first topic for the day? Yeah, so we've been we've been treated to some excellent uh, hockey action here for this for the summer, and uh, I want to start us off with this Boston Tampa Bay series because this has been a pretty interesting one to see Tampa Bay finally seeming to turn a corner and being able to take down one of the beasts of the East. Yeah, it's hasn't really gone how I thought it would go. Um, Tampa's kind of shit stomped the Bruins a little bit more than I thought they might have um, with that. What was it like seven one or seven one eight one game? Yeah, seven one. I mean, <laughs> that was that was bad for their uh, rookie backup goalie too. Just get thrown in like that. Yeah, that was a rough one for sure. And then they bounced back and played in another three one loss. <laughs> so I mean, if if you can want to count not getting scored on seven times a bounce back, then it is. Yeah, that's I mean that's an improvement. Still lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean like Tampa Bay's done an excellent job all series of controlling the play. Like it's something that they struggled with in the past where they really easily get dominated. You see uh, big guys like Kucherov and Stamkos were very often just kind of getting triggered and a bit rattled really early on in a series and it threw their game off the whole time. They're not they're not doing that this year and they've got they've got Braden Point stepping up as well. He's really uh, filling that void left by Stamkos while he's injured. Yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, Cassidy called out Yaroslav Halak. Um, he let in that one kind of softy goal where it was um, like that one-timer just in from the blue line, basically, on the rush, and he kind of like handcuffed his glove and went in. Cassidy was like, oh, we need that save there. Yeah, it's like, kind of oh, a... Yeah, you don't you want to be calling save, out your goalie. <laughs> This guy's the guy that's like the backup who stepped up to play when your primary starter has left the bubble. Maybe you shouldn't call him out because your only other option is a rookie goalie who you just threw into a game and let him get pumped. So kind of a questionable coaching move. It's like, well, yeah, maybe you do need that save, but I don't think publicly calling out your starter is... No, not, not in that situation. Like, you've got... You've got a team that's struggling. You don't want to start publicly calling out your players in the playoffs when you need them to turn it around. You need to like actually give them the support and the encouragement on that side of it to help them, you know, possibly turn things around or at least have a bounce back game. Cuz you don't in the playoffs you lose 7-1, you got to come back in that next game and do better than than they did. Yeah. And yeah, you need the save, but also if you watch that play the D the defensemen are playing super soft on that. They're allowing them to just walk right in the zone and then take a free shot, basically unobstructed. So, yeah, yeah, you need a save, but you also need your team to play with a little bit more desperation than what the Bruins have been doing. Exactly, and I mean on the on the topic of D men, let's flip it over here and look at Tampa Bay, where they've got you know they've they've got a couple of castaways per se in Kevin Shattenkirk and Zach Bogosian. They're guys who kind of 
got left behind by their other teams kind of picked up his fill-ins for for Tampa Bay and you've got Shattenkirk who's actually playing a pretty big role on the team this this whole season um him and him and Mikhail Sergachev had been playing together for quite a bit and they'd been doing well I think Sergachev was with um Chernak today but that that pairing had been doing pretty well so that's props to them for being able to find these players and fill them into a role put them into a system that's actually going to help them thrive a bit better yeah and you mentioned Zach Bogosian he's been playing with Hedman and he which had that, that like one, that's uh, that's a pretty good honor <laughs> yeah he had that one play where he uh basically went almost coast to coast up the side and then passed it across to Blake Coleman um it was kind of a funny sound clip where uh Kyle Bacoskis asked him like what was the last time you've you've gone coast to coast like that and he said oh probably yesterday <laughs> <laughs> in practice you know um dreamed but, about it yeah, overnight I mean, I mean, maybe that's just a case of, you know, a different system really benefiting a player and allowing them to, yeah, you know, utilize their strengths a bit better. Absolutely. I mean, it helps too when the team itself is better as a whole. You're going to be a little bit more able to make an impact in in those types of cases. But um, yeah, I mean, a, a system that works uh, better. One more. Sorry, one more defenseman, um, Luke Shen and Luke uh, Shen. Braden Coburn. Yeah. Yeah. They were able to, to step in after not having played since, you know, the, the break of play, and they were able to to play some some minutes for the team and actually look pretty pretty responsible. So. Oh, of course. I mean, to get Luke Shen to look decent is actually itself. <laughs> hey, uh, interesting story. I went into a pawn shop that was right by my house, like, yesterday. Signed Toronto Maple Leafs Luke Shen jersey. Did you pick it up? What in the hell? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> kind of weird, but uh, just had to throw that in there. Oh, of course. Very bizarre. Um, so anyway, as you were saying. Yeah, so Tampa seems to be doing this thing where they're rolling with seven defensemen uh, throughout their games. So I think uh, Luke Shen kind of falls in as like the extra guy. Okay, so next up we've got the New York Islanders versus the Philadelphia Flyers. So this one's currently sitting at 3-1 to one for the Islanders in the series total. And uh, I got to admit, I underestimated the Islanders once again. Um, that seems to be a common theme. We've 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 had this happen in the past. I think uh, last year I did the same thing. I feel like we did but, that uh, earlier this playoffs too. It's just oh, probably <laughs> misunderestimate them. Well, it's like you look at their roster, and it's not like it's not filled with stars. It's not like a Philadelphia Flyers roster where they've got you know Giroux, Couturier, Carter Hart, Niskanen, like ever Provorov. Pardon me but they still managed to make it work and they're doing really well. So it's a testament to how strong their roster is in terms of the team system. And they're playing like that kind of new age trap. That's just, it's working for them. So they've got everyone bought into it. Yeah. It's, you really see it when you watch the games. It's just the flyers cannot get any passes going and they're just getting shut down in the neutral zone. And yeah, the Islanders are playing a really well def defensive, really good defensive game. Um, I mean, I kind of touched on this about when I gave my kind of, <laughs> you know, eulogy for Todd Reardon, but um, the Islanders are just a solid defensive team, and, you know, it looks like they've all bought in, and that's what it, take, it takes to get far, far in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So they're not exactly fun to watch, but they do capitalize on their chances mm -hmm. when they get them. Um, but they kind of, like, wear a team down and, and just – stymie all of their attempts to get any offense generated and and then it's kind of like rope-a-dope 
with rope dope hockey where they just shut yeah. everything down and then take their chances when they can get them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I remember I remember we talked about this trade when it happened back at the deadline, but uh, John Gabriel Pajot for the Islanders has been an amazing fit for them. He fits in in every situation. Like he's His playoff scoring rate is so much better than his regular season rate, so he's been doing an excellent job for the for the Islanders so far. Yeah, and the one game that the Flyers won, should, we should mention that uh, they won that one in OT, and it was right after the Islanders came back and on, tied it up in fourth overtime. They were down, I think, two goals or three goals. They came back in the third and fourth overtime and just just barely lost, so this could have really easily have been a sweep. Yeah, which would have surprised me even more, to be honest. Yeah, but uh, all the goaltenders in that series have been playing good, pretty good. Uh, Carter Hart has had some struggles, but um, they've played Brian Elliott for the Flyers. He's, he's looked pretty good. He's got a really cool mask. <laughs> Honestly, um, though, is is the Flyers' side of it, is Carter Hart even struggling, or is that just the team in front of him can't get stuff going? Definitely the latter. The team just can't yeah. get him any run support. They're just, they can't score. And I think part of that's explained by the, the defensive system that we explained uh, just a little moment ago about the Islanders, but also, Simeon Varlamov has been really good, and then uh, Grice actually played in the last game, and he's looked sharp as well. So they've had some solid goaltending. Yeah, I think at this point the Islanders' goalies are one in two in playoff save percentage this year. That's very impressive. Yeah, of it's either of all goalies or goalies that are remaining in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean there's Which, definitely like some that, really good goaltenders still around, so that's impressive. Either way, absolutely. When you consider that Vegas has Leonard and Flurry. Yeah, and Leonard playing the way he is too. We'll talk about him in a bit, but um, for for the Islanders, like that's that's a massive part, a massive support system for that, for the whole uh, system they play is that they can have a goalie who makes the the saves that they end up needing to make. Because they're not giving up a lot of high quality chances, of course, because they're shutting everything down, but they're still getting the reliability that they need out of that position. And it's mm -hmm. you know top and bottom. It's literally. It's not like they have to run one guy like some teams do. They can they can have either of them play and be completely comfortable with it. Yeah, that's a really luxurious spot to be in when you can have confidence in either guy. I think um, there's some other teams that are in playoffs still that have that. I mean, obviously Vegas. Um, but, I mean, you look at Boston, no. Uh, you look at the Canucks, no. Dallas, if... Ben Bishop ever comes back from wherever he is. Yeah. Maybe, but without him in their lineup, no. So it's really kind of just the Islanders in Vegas, I, I would say, that have that luxury right now. Yeah. I mean, even Colorado, like Franco's, yes, but Grubauer's, no. you know, Grubauer's hurt. I don't know. So without him in the lineup, they don't really have that luxury either i think uh it's gonna be interesting because i i mean i fully expect at this point the islanders to to win so it's gonna be interesting to see the prominence of this new system or the the modern trap or whatever that they're starting to play to see kind of what else which other teams try and implement that type of that type of play style again kind of the same way that it happened with minnesota and new jersey around the early 2000s yeah if that's the way the league's going i'm not super excited about it not again we already went through this once right we just need teams to have Martin Brodeur so he can play the puck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then have the trap. Like, wow, what an exciting game of, like, shut down the dump and chase. <laughs> Remember that game, like, 
used to play as kids where you throw you get one person throwing the ball to the crowd of them and call up the score it's just gonna turn into that <laughs> did you remember that game where chris bronger was on the flyers and they just literally like held on to the puck in the defensive zone to shut down the trap that's that's to, in my mind every single time i hear about this yeah that old one three one thing <laughs> so the flyers the flyers should just pull that out in one of these games just play in the defensive zone and <laughs> just hold yeah, the puck I, until the ref it, whistles it at this point what have they got to lose you know they're they're on the brink of elimination why not try something to like at least piss the islanders off <laughs> yeah <laughs> might as well <laughs> that was that's that's canon for flyers hockey right it's just <laughs> piss them can't off. win piss at least piss somebody off <laughs> yeah they came into the league pissing everyone off so why not just continue with that trend <laughs> The long-standing tradition of pissing people <laughs> off. You gotta stay it's true to your way. roots, Philly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're mentioning uh, Pavel Francois earlier. So how about we jump out west here to the Dallas Stars Colorado Avalanche series? So we were talking a lot about this one before we went into it, and the big, the big news from our from our discussion was that you flipped your uh, prediction from the Stars to the Avalanche. So how are you feeling about that one now? I'm uh, feeling like a, a mastermind if, because <laughs> my pick was Dallas to win the cup. I guess I should pick against them more often, and they'll play like absolute gods. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, feeling I'm pretty legit. pretty good about it. Of course, I'm I'm surprised at how well Dallas is playing right now. Yeah, I mean we've always we've I mean we've talked about it basically ad nauseum about how they can't. They can't score. And what do they do? They just score in bunches now. They just score in waves. Like yeah. they get seven in a row, sure. Three in a row, sure. Like three goals just, in four minutes. Yeah, really why not? That's a watch. nightly thing. Yeah. Um yeah, the thing that stood out to me is that in the regular season they're twenty sixth in goals four per game at about two point five eight. And in the playoffs so far, they're third and they're up to three point three eight. So they're they're scoring point eight goals more goals per game than they did in the regular season. And this is also factoring in those round-robin games where they didn't score at all. They had, like, two goals in the entire thing or something crazy. So they've they've done an amazing job since that middle of that Calgary series of turning that offense around. Yeah, they really have. It's It's been really fun to watch, and uh, I'm fully on board with it. I love it. They're really exciting to watch. I mean, they're playing against Colorado, which makes it even better. Um, because it's like another team that can can score in waves again, but it's just kind of come out of a, it's a bit surprising with um, with Dallas, considering you know the stats you mentioned and where they were at in the regular season, um, and it's it's really been like a lot of depth guys that have been uh, stepping up for them. It's it's not really the the top three guys. I mean they're they're doing some stuff, but you know the yeah. Gurionovs the uh, uh, Matias Janmark and Rupe Hints have had really good series here too. That they're, yeah, Radic Faxa the, the had a really good game. Faxa, uh, I think that's the game I was thinking of last night. Um, um, yeah, so in this series too, Jamie Ben's got seven points, Radulov's got six, and Sagan has four. So like they've stepped up big time this series. But like you said, it's the depth guys that are helping them. Um, Colorado is yeah, they're not pushing getting them those over depth. the edge. Exactly. Yeah, um, I feel like every game I watch, there's a new. Um, uh, graphic at the bottom of for like some sort of record that Miro Heiskanen is, is setting for uh, like a franchise record for most points by a defenseman in, in so many games and it's basically like okay we get it like 
every game he plays <laughs> he's adding one game to his totals and he's setting the he's setting the new franchise record it's like most most points for a rookie de- or a, a, de- a defenseman making his debut in minnesota no slash dallas north stars history it's like okay yeah 16 games he's got so many points He's, he's number one, and then it's like 17 games. He's got so many points, he's number one. It's like, okay, we get it. Like, every game. I can't, I can't wait until, like, the last game of the of the playoffs that they play when he sets the record for most records set by a Dallas Stars defenseman in his debut. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's, it is super impressive not to, you know, downplay what he's doing. He's got the same amount of points as Kucherov and Braden Point. It, yeah, like, that's, that's, that's just outstanding numbers. In his debut as well in the playoffs. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 pretty fun, and I I I'm pretty sure no matter what happens, I'm just gonna get a jersey of his because yeah, honestly, (laughs) you're you're going (laughs) to regardless. So yeah, (laughs) it's it's nice to have the it's nice to have the like conditions to meet, but it's like it's gonna be one of those things where it's like I'll just give it to you anyways. Just take it. I'll get one. Yeah, yeah, you were you were. You set uh, franchise records for defensemen making their debut, so <laughs> I'm gonna get get your jersey. Congrats. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, 13 games, 16 points. So, oh yeah, very impressive. It's impressive as hell. Um, flipping it over to Colorado, so they've they've kind of struggled this series. Uh, what are your thoughts on what's going on with them? Why are they struggling? Uh, well, I mean, it looks like they're making some. I mean, they're getting into a little bit of penalty trouble. And there's some people who disagree with the calls that have been made. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of thing that, that happens in playoffs. You have calls go either way. Um, you've got guys that can draw penalties like McKinnon and, you know, Kadri's got to stay out of the box. Yeah, um, he had trouble in that uh, most recent game they played where I think he he was in the box for the first two goals against, and that really set the tone for the game when you're giving this Dallas offense a power play like that early on. Yeah. Um but it looks like they're kind of been shaking off their game a bit. Um, you got guys like Kale McCarr making that really big blunder where he just bobbled it right behind the net and let it go right into the slot for a really easy goal for the Stars. Yeah, um, that was a I Steve just, Smith it, moment. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's I, I don't know what was going on there, but it looks like they're just kind of for large moments of the game they're just not playing their game and and letting Dallas score in those waves and then you see them come back to it and they're able to kind of claw their way back into the game but it's really hard to come back from you know being down 3-0 in the first period so i don't know if that's like a mental thing or they kind of thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was because most people were picking colorado for this series you know um most people didn't think that dallas would have an opportunity to win this so i don't know if that comes into play and then dallas just came out super strong and kind of you know surprise them yeah i don't know uh, what do you think is, is kind of one uh, of the reasons i've been leaning towards that loss of philip grubauer and even uh, eric johnson yeah like they've they've that's, lost that's a good point one of you know one of the best goalies in the league i think grubauer is about fifth in save percentage going into this series in the in the playoffs so far and francois is just not up to snuff for them he is not as good as they need i think his save percentage is down in the 800 somewhere they need better out of him and not having Grubauer around is destroying their confidence and the, the momentum swings that uh, Dallas can grab off of, off of being able to go and score goals at will. Basically, you got to imagine yeah. Grubauer would at least have some of those. Yeah, that's a good point. 
their goaltending definitely has kind of been subpar. But they are a team that can score a lot of goals, and, you know, they're being outscored, so. Yep, so ultimately, I mean, Colorado's depth, I think McKinnon, McKinnon, McCarr, the main guys are doing decent, well enough, but you've got your your depth guys that haven't really been able to contribute in the way that they need to. Yeah, I mean, McKinnon's 21 points in 12 games. Yeah, um, eight in this series as well, I believe. But, I mean, to, to kind of, um, you know, kind of counter your point a bit about the goaltending is that, not counter your point, but to just kind of play the other other hand of that is that uh, Anton Hudobin has been really good. He's been really good yeah. in that for Dallas. And, um, yeah. you know, Dallas is also missing their number one goalie. Um, yeah, which they're lucky that Hudobin is as good as he is. Because yeah, uh, those, those two are... Goaltender. Yeah, they've got a better backup. backup. Like Dallas's tandem is is one of the best in the league. It's up there with uh, with Boston's generally. So they're uh, they're lucky that Hudobin's playing as well. And finally, Hudobin's getting some run support. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the picture of him with his helmet off, having just been scored on, <laughs> is a distant memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> having happened. He finally, just a few he finally short weeks doesn't ago. have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like I don't know. People always kind of thought Dallas would have this scoring touch with the you know the the top top line that they have, and it's kind of exciting to see them kind of realize that potential a little bit and have you know guys go on some incredible runs like Gurionov is. Yeah, um, well, they have such an exciting roster. Like even even beyond the star power, it's like the players that they have. Like they should be they should be more aggressive or more like standout-ish in the offensive zone as they than they had been, but. You know, this is finally kind of like a coming out party for the for the Dallas offense that they've struggled with for a couple of years. Yeah, I remember in my um, my uh, preseason write up for the Dallas Stars, I said that um, you know one one team's garbage is another team's treasure, and Dallas was collecting garbage this off season because they've <laughs> they, they've signed Corey per- Corey Perry, uh, Sekera, Joe Pavelski. Um, you know, not that these players are garbage, and I'm not saying that, but you know, teams. Well, maybe Corey Perry, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said it. <laughs> but you know, guys that were kind of on the way out with their team and bought out by their team, like Corey Perry, um, and Dallas took some chances on them. So yeah. some, you know, some it's, relatively it's... cheap deals, one-year deals, in in the case of Sekera and, and Perry, and a two-year deal for Pavelski. Uh, and you know the the leadership that those guys bring, I think, takes a lot off of you know Sagan, Ben, Radulov. Yeah, and it's um, you can see it on the ice. You have Pavelski, who's a huge playoff performer. He's able to get those clutch goals, so it's not all falling on the shoulders of of Jamie Ben and Sagan. So it's been fun yeah, to like watch. And I know that you're not a fan of uh, Corey Perry, but he's actually been making an impact on this series by drawing penalties he has drawn quite a few penalties last night in last night's game uh mckinnon took you know you can debate the call but Corey perry did a really good job selling it so in the heat of the moment it looked probably worse than it actually was and he was able to draw a couple other penalties i think against kadri so he's making an impact no that's the thing like those types of players the Corey perry type they they're annoying as hell and frustrating to watch, but they're effective and they're good in their roles. They they know how to play the game within the game. 
they know how to you know use those those gamesmanship factors that we talk about Matthew Kachuk having that they can swing momentum swing the team swing the swing the game in your favor just by taking a weird a weird route or or drawing drawing a penalty that probably shouldn't have been called so that's that's great for them and uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned the leadership that all those guys bring I remember I remember being concerned that it was going to be kind of one of those like too many chefs in the kitchen situations where you've got all these guys with leadership experience. I mean, Pavelski being former Sharks captain and Perry having probably having the A throughout his time in Anaheim and Sekera being uh, relied upon defenseman in Edmonton for a lot of the younger guys. You kind of wonder if it's going to be too many voices, too much, too many different directions, but no, it looks like they've all gelled together pretty well and they've got everything sorted out in that way, which is great. And it seems to be working because they're turning things around and succeeding right now. Yeah, and uh, Pavelski's kind of one of those uh, tremendous net presence guys where he's able to get a magical tip on pretty much anything that someone fires at him. So that's been really effective for them just to put him in front of the net on their power play and just have him get a stick on anything that's coming in towards the net. But uh, definitely some young guys, you know, stepping up. We mentioned that um, in some of our other podcasts. But uh, Dennis Gurianov, again, having a really really great playoffs uh Haskin and their defense has been pretty solid as well um Klingberg uh Lindell uh Jamie Alexiak solid just a yeah, lot of trustworthy defensemen that you can kind of throw out there whenever you need to and you know Mira Heiskanen's averaging like I don't know what is it at this point like 40 minutes a game or something I think I think <laughs> uh, we're looks like 25, 25 46 25, but yeah. um you know, that's a lot, and he's, what, like 20, 21? 21. So that's that's those some very impressive numbers. So basically, I'm all in on a jersey. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just excited for it. <laughs> I am, yeah. Got to try and find a deal. So now we'll uh, but, uh, switch things. You... Oh, go ahead. Quickly, though, because we both picked Colorado, I think, in six or seven, right? Six um, for me. I mean, they're... They're fa- they're on the brink right now. So, what do you what do you give their shot of coming back? They might get one game, but the way Dallas is playing, especially if they're going to be able to go out and score a goal a minute into the game, Dallas is probably taking it. I mean, I guess yeah. we're recording recording yeah, this the Dallas day before it's it. released, so I think they're playing the game tonight. But I would be surprised if they're done by the time this episode is up. And last but not least, here we've got the Vancouver Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights. So, for the only series that we've actually got going the way that we predicted here. Not doing great this round, but <laughs> Vegas is currently leading Vancouver 3-1 to one at the time of recording. And uh, this has actually been a really fun series to watch and pay attention to because it's, it's got a lot of the, uh, the side games going on. It's not just the hockey. There's a lot of extra stuff going on around the series, uh, namely following Ryan Reeves and Antoine Roussel. And it's now involving Vancouver's coach as well, Travis Green. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely going back and forth. Uh, Antoine Roussel has gotten himself two 10-minute misconducts, making him the uh, penalty minute leader for the playoffs. Um, and uh, Ryan Reeves, <laughs> through all of this, has two penalty minutes. So he's, <laughs> he's doing a great job at just getting under the other player's skin without actually doing anything wrong himself. Yeah, it's uh, it was kind of surprising that they just gave Roussel a 10-minute. But, I mean, they were, I, my opinion is that they were kind of soft. Uh, but we have no idea what he said or, or did or what warnings he was given. So whatever, it's not like he's going to you know, get out there and get a hat trick for Vancouver anyway. So 
He rides the pine for 10 minutes. It's, what, like two shifts, at, if that, for him. So um, I don't think it's making a huge impact on Vancouver or Vegas's game. But uh, it's definitely, you know, shows how effective Ryan Reeves is at, like you said, getting under people's skin and bothering them, even even the coach. Um, yeah, that, it's, it's that, something when you can get under the skin of the coach. And that one was after Ryan Reeves hit Quinn Hughes in the Vegas corner, and then Vegas it led to a turnover, and Vegas went down the ice and scored. And then I guess Reeves was, was chirping the bench on his way by, and then Travis Green was yelling at him and said, like, shut the F up. Um, and then Reeves was doing a, you know, a, a crying, like, <laughs> gesture with his hand. So, yeah, I mean, just because Quinn Hughes is a really good player doesn't mean he's off limits. So, you know. No, I mean, that's, I, I mean, the guys you have to, I don't want to say target, but go after is the star players. Like, they get the most attention by the players on the ice. You shut down Quinn Hughes, you shut down Patterson. Suddenly the Canucks don't have as much gas under their guys in their car right yeah yeah and Hughes is gonna pinch him that far on that play like he came basically down to the hash marks like yeah he's gonna get hit on that that's a that's a no-brainer so yeah you mentioned Pedersen though he's he's been he hasn't been the problem for the Vancouver Canucks no not at all no they're they're main guys I mean Pedersen that Pedersen to Foley Pearson line has been excellent for them they uh they've been one of the few things going right through the series so it's honestly it's just a case of vegas is just better that vancouver's yeah. vancouver's high-flying style does not match up against vegas's structure yeah vegas has just got a solid team like i don't want to say that they're a super team but the fact that their original top line of carlson marcia so and, and Ravi smith is air quotes cheap um, and they have been able to bring in like Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, <laughs> like Alec Martinez, Robin Leonard. Like it's just insane if you look at the talent that's on their team. Yeah, it's teams teams it's don't get this many players brought in like that. And you mentioned Pacioretty and Stone; they're sitting at five and six points respectively in this series. So like they've they're matching up well and they're overpowering, winning the matchup in that regard. Yeah, and uh, you. Uh, made an Instagram post about this today, uh, but uh, Shea Theodore has just been rock solid for them. He has done an amazing job this season, and this this has been this has been his breakout year, really. That he's done so so well at at jumping in and becoming basically the number one defenseman for the Knights, and he's pretty much a legitimate number one guy in the league now. The way he's been playing, so we're looking at some stats here for him. In the playoffs so far, he's got four goals. He's tied for first among defensemen. Ten assists, he's tied for third among defensemen. 49 shots on goal, first for defensemen. 88 shot attempts, second for defensemen. And the most important part, especially for Vegas' system, is that when he's on the ice at five versus five, 61.4% of shots are in Vegas' favor, and high-danger scoring chances are 71 to 34 in Vegas' favor. And they're outscoring the opposition 19 to 6. So Shea Theodore being you know, top pairing defenseman is able to match up against the Canucks best players and outscore them with his line at a rate of 19 to six. Like that's, you know, Vancouver relies on those top players. And if that, those players are getting outscored, they don't have much of a shot left. His impact. Yeah. I don't think can be understated. It's just massive. Um, 
I just wanted to point out here for points among defensemen. So you mentioned Theodore has 14. That puts him at 2. Heiskanen's first at 16. Then Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes are tied for third at 13 points. So it's... <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, everybody's been kind of gassing up these, these young defensemen, but... Like here's the like the proof is in the pudding, right? Like they're they're really making an impact yeah. in these playoffs. They're you know and becoming for them to be that the guys high up on their own, right? Yeah, they're becoming the guys. They're becoming starred players in the league, and they're all doing it in the playoffs right now, which is impressive as hell. Yeah, like I I foresee like just all of the Norrises down the road. Just you know these three guys will will be in contention probably like at, at least in it's discussion just, every year just, just gonna rotate through them every year same way it's gone through like i mean who you know headman like head yeah headman headman carlson dowdy basically i think are the main yeah the big um, eric burns. carlson i might add <laughs> yeah. yeah and burn burns so it's just gonna rotate through them the same way it's been rotating through those guys yeah um uh on the flip side i kind of want to i don't want to criticize but i want to um you know, just point something out. So, did you watch the game last night um, between the Knights and the Canucks? I did not. Okay, so it was Tyler Myers' first game back. Um, he missed, he didn't, I think he hasn't played since like middle of August or something. Um, it really showed, and it showed in a bad way for the Canucks. He looked really shaky. And he was out of it. I saw a picture of him defending a Golden Knight where he just two feet away of a guy in front of the net left him all alone. Yeah, that was uh, that. I think that was the dagger for the Canucks. It's just like not playing the guy in front of the net, and he just gets a super easy pass. And that was William Carlson's first goal of the series, and yeah. Myers was just not playing him in front of the net. It's just like so. Mark Andre really Fleury pulled a pulled a sword out of his back and then put it right into the Canucks in that game. <laughs> Yeah, all the Tylers in the lineup <laughs> for the Canucks. Uh, Tyler Myers, I guess, lost his ability to, to, you know, defend. I think he was out there for, I, I want to say, every goal, but I could be mistaken on that. But he just looked really bad. Um, I was thinking to myself, just put Jordy Ben back in, honestly. Like, he looked yeah, at least he's reliable. solid. Yeah, it's just, like, stop making, like, stupid little soft plays up the boards and just looking completely lost, just not not where he should be at all yeah um so that that was pretty rough and then um brandon sutter had a really i thought i had a really poor game too and i think that might be stemming from the fact that he's uh he's playing on a line with like two other centers and he normally plays center and he's not so he's playing the wing so that would be really hard to do um yeah. he's playing with beagle and i think he's been playing with godette a bit um might be, might be playing with uh, Tyler Maud, actually. But um, either way, Beagle's been playing center, and Sutter has been playing wing. And there's been some chance or some uh, some goals against where it stems from both of them kind of not knowing where, where they're supposed to be. And I don't know, it just sucks for the Canucks that they've got, uh, you know, some less than ideal options <laughs> for the lineup when you've got, you know, like Brandon Sutter making... I want to say like three and a half million, and then you've got like Louis Erickson making six million, and it's just that like, makes it hard for cap space when they're going to have a lot of guys to resign and and to try and fill out a roster right away. Yeah, you look at Vegas, and it's like, <laughs> is there a is there a bad contract on that team right now? 
Flurry. Flurry, but even then, at least Flurry's a useful part of the lineup. Yeah, so it's just like, like I was saying, I don't want to call Vegas a super team, but it's just like you look at it, and they're just stacked <laughs> compared to the Canucks. For the Canucks to make it competitive, it's I think it's impressive, but I think, yeah, this is kind of the one where it is going the way we thought for the reasons that we thought. Yeah. Um, looking ahead to possibly the future, a future matchup, when you have the prospect of the aggressive trap that the, the Golden Knights play versus the hesitant trap or whatever you want to call the, the what the Islanders play. Could be an interesting final. And, and based on the way the teams <laughs> are playing, no it's offense. a very real option. The only offense is going to be yeah. the Vegas Golden Knights doing those flip passes down to Mark Stone. Or Tuck. Yeah. Getting him on Tuck a break getting those, Yeah. That's going to be the only offense in that series. <laughs> we mentioned Pedersen briefly, but, you know, definitely they've got some huge silver linings in this. Uh, Pedersen has, has shown that he can be a clutch playoff performer. Uh, Bo Horvat, just amazing. They've got some solid bottom six guys who are contributing that they you know they probably want to keep around but don't overpay um and then jacob markstrom just you got to keep him around he's the guy he's your mvp um he's been playing really well uh they they absolutely do so they need to find a way to make room for him because he's the type of goalie that they need right now and i don't know if demko can be can be there quite yet for them no and at the beginning, when we did our little preview of this series, we said that, you know, the pressure's not really on the Canucks. So um, if they get taken out by Vegas, that's okay. Like, yeah, there's no shame I know in you that. don't want, you never want to be knocked out of playoffs, but, you know, no one really expected you to be here. So you can get, you can take the playoff experience, take the excitement and just carry it forward into the next season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been fun to watch. Um it's interesting that every series is at three to one. <laughs> it's that that's actually I pretty crazy. That been none <laughs> of them, none of them even went two two. None of them, you know, no sweeps. Like they've all got the same trajectory here. So maybe as a as a little final final thing here, which which of these four series do you think the team with one win is most likely to come back and win? Hmm, that is a good question. Um, I would say Philly. Philly would be my guess. If they can, they've, in the past, Philadelphia has been a streaky team and they've gone long stretches of playing poorly and then turning it around and, and going on a long stretch of their own. So I think if, if Philadelphia has some sort of spark and they can turn it around, that uh, I, would put, I would put them as the most likely to, to turn it around. How about yourself? Well, I was going to say Boston, but I just needed to make sure we were checked or the, what the score was so boston's losing 2-1 with about seven minutes left in the third so i'm gonna probably switch that over to philly as well because <laughs> i just i don't i don't see colorado having the goaltending to be able to counter dallas right now and i don't see vancouver being able to overpower vegas's system the way they did in that one game where they won five nothing i think vegas kind of has this one the 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 momentum of the series they've got this one kind of locked down a little bit better so i'll have to i'll have to go with philly as well since boston appears to be on their way out right away yeah so i guess this this uh round is just really just us agreeing on everything hey pretty much yeah you know what we're, we're all here we're not we're all friends here we're not gonna start fighting each other about stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> for, for the things that really matter like who can come back in a series yeah <laughs> 
when both of our teams have been eliminated and we have no skin in the game except for yeah. stupid jersey bets. <laughs> Go sports team. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps things up for this week here on Clappercast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to our show on any podcast platform, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To keep up to date with our latest content, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Clappercast Media or on Twitter at Clappercast. Start the conversation on our post there and let us know which team is surprising you so far in these playoffs. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back soon with more NHL playoff coverage.